going to sit down today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Phyllis been working me so much. Yeah, right. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, then we must believe that he is who he is. He did what he said he would do. And that you are raised and seated with him in heavenly places. He is the faithful to a thousand generations. There is no one like him and no one that can defeat him or dethrone him. Hallelujah, we have his name as a benefit in our life. Amen? I want to talk to you today about saying what God says. Now, I know that you think, oh, well, that, that's kind of boring and all that. Well, I'm, I think probably it would sound boring, but it's really not boring. So let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians 6.12. You know that Jesus has declared us more than conquerors. That is a fact. That's not a dream. That is a present-day reality. A present-day reality. So, we always want to say what God says about us and not what our circumstances say. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Sometimes I think that you and I, as believers, forget that we are in a spiritual battle and that we as Christians forget that Satan uses people just like God does and that he has built a kingdom that mimics God, that uses the principles of God, and he does that and that kingdom is successful many times against Christians because we don't put our emphasis on who the real adversary is. Amen? You know, we, we can get in a, an argument and a fight and all that kind of stuff, but if you just realize this is the devil then you would stop the fight. But because we are oblivious to his presence, his activities, then what we do is we always fall into this pit where we engage one another, we engage situations, circumstances, needs and all that, and we embrace them and we face them based on on an absence of Satan. Now, I know that people say, well, you know, well, you, you can't really believe in the devil. Yeah, I'll, I'll trump that. I believe in God, too. 
I believe in the devil and I believe in God. Amen? And I believe that both are at work, intensely at work, because of the shortness of the hour. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That simply means that they're not physical, they're not mental. This is not a mental battle. Yes, it does involve the mind, but it's not just the mind. It is a spiritual battle, and it must have spiritual weapons in order to win. And so we understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. They're not just our thoughts. They're not just reason, rhyme, and skill. That's not what fighting the devil is about. If you could just think that everything that is evil is the devil, that might help us wake up. And so we need to be awakened to what God is wanting us to get done. And we need to be awakened to our adversary. Amen? Today is the 21st year after 9-11. There was a time period that we did not know who our enemy was. And so we fought the Taliban. We fought, uh, you know, other facets that had broken off of it and all that kind of stuff. But now we face a new fear. A new battle. Even though 9-11 is 21 years old, quote unquote, they say that the enemy is defeated. Well, now we face another enemy. And it is the enemy of fear that dominates us every time we go through an airport, go through a place of security, and all that kind of stuff, we are afraid that somebody is going to break through. And even though the enemy is overseas and did not win, we recouped, we are still imprisoned, and our world has been reshaped by one act of extremism. Not every Muslim hates America. They're trying to get in here by the groves. Hopefully their objective is to come into our society and not divide our society. But there is going to be a great revival among the Muslims. The reason I know that, God said, I will bless Ishmael. And when Jesus redeemed us he said in Acts the third chapter that Jesus redeemed us from our iniquity to bless us well I, I uh, Ishmael is about to get a visitation and I mean it's going to sweep the land and uh, forget about those mosques we might turn them into car washes or marshmallow factories. I don't know. But they aren't going to be used for worship. 
That is perverted. No way. It's not going to do that. So we have to get out of that and now see the real enemy. The real enemy is fear. Look, folks, I, I mean, we hear horror stories all the time where people snuck this on and snuck that on and did this and did that. If somebody wanted to blow you up, they're, they're probably going to succeed. I just hope it's not before dessert. And, of course, I'm being facetious. Now, let's turn our Bibles to Psalms 63, verse 3 through 7. Psalm 63. And we're going to talk about saying what God says, but I want to establish what God looks at or perceives what he said as. Psalm 64 Verse 3 through 7. Who wet their tongues. Now this is talking about those that are workers of iniquities, those that oppose God, those that are insurrection uh, against righteousness and so forth. And it says, who wet their tongue like a sword. Notice the comparison. That tongues are a weapon. And then it says this, and bend their bows to shoot the arrows, even bitter words. Now, what is a tongue referred to? Somebody say a sword. So now we know that the enemy uses a tongue as a weapon of destruction. Is that right? Yeah. And then it tells us that words that are bitter, that are contrary, that are hurtful, that are designed, that come out of anger, wrath, hatred, division, whatever, they are used as weapons of destruction. They are used as arrows. Somebody say, now the adversary uses people with a tongue and words. Now, you and I ought to be smart enough to catch something out of this. In other words, we ought to say, hey, if he uses that weapon, what weapon do I have? Now, we're going to get into that. Then it says that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encounter themselves in an evil, they encourage themselves in an evil matter, and they commune of lying snares privately, and they say, who shall see them? And they search out iniquity, the accomplishment in a diligent search, both of the inward thought of every one of them and the heart of the deep. But God shall shoot at them. Now what's God going to use? He's going to shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. And all that see them 
shall flee away. In other words, when God sends forth a response to what the enemy is doing to you through people, remember that we talked about words being thresholds. They're like doors. So the enemy, being inspired by the devil, using men, they create this threshold. And out of that threshold, they shoot arrows, bitter words. They use their tongue like a sword. Now the adversary, the devil, knows these spiritual secrets. Seem like the only group of people that doesn't know it are Christians. And so we see that they're coming. Now here it reveals to us that God also shoots arrows. Well, what would God's arrows be? Words. Words. Words are weapons. They're life and they're death. And so when God shoots a word or responds to an attack of men being used by the devil against you, what does he do? He looses a word. Now, how does God get the arrow or the word from him to the opponent? By somebody's tongue. Could I give an amen? Not somebody's thought. Not somebody's frustration. You have to loose words like arrows against an opponent. So God uses that. And then Ephesians 6.18 says, look, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you pray. In other words, it is an adversarial weapon against an enemy that seeks to hinder your prayer life. And so it says, now we have arrows and we have swords. The devil doesn't have anything we don't have. We just don't use what we have. Amen? It's like the person or the man or woman says, well, we don't have nothing in common. I said, well, put them in a room for two weeks and let's see what they have in common. Pretty soon there's nothing to do except kiss. And you start kissing, things start smoking. Things start smoking, things catch on fire. Then we won't be able to get you out of that room. Now, how many of you like to rent a room from me? Nobody, okay. <laughs> so, we understand now why Jesus responded to the devil when he was tempted. And what he used 
because he was responding to arrows and swords trying to break his relationship with God, trying to create a sinful atmosphere. What did Jesus do when the devil said, you know, well, if you be the son of God, make bread out of these stones. Now, you might think that's impossible, but I've seen Phyllis make stones out of bread. Very common practice in our home. He said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Jesus responded another time when he said, look, if you be the son of God, throw yourself down here, angel. Jesus said, no. What did he do? He responded with a clash of sword and arrow against his enemy. And you and I have to do the very same thing. Stop just thinking it's normal to think bad about yourself. You know, sometimes people just, well, you know, I was thinking about I, I'm lousy, I'm this, and I'm... Well, you might be. But replace the arrows that you're being stuck with with the arrows of God and respond to a negative thought. Now, let me say this. You can reverse negativity, insecurities, depression, all kinds of things with the words of your mouth. But the problem is, is when these things come, we accept them because it's been so natural to us to accept them. We don't want to do that. We want to respond and say what God has said about us. Could I get an amen? amen? And we need to live in the Spirit, not just be citizens of the Spirit. And this is what I'm talking about. Now, we as people many times forget that we walk by faith, not by sight. Too many of us are dominated by what we see. Amen? So, Phyllis said the other day, honey, you're getting kind of fat there. Have you seen your feet lately? I said, well, I rebuke that. I'm just storing up for the cold weather. That's a positive. Well, what are you going to do when it don't go away in cold weather? Buy bigger pants. Now, what we have to do is we have to recognize the devil, recognize arrows, recognize swords. We have got to get engaged in the battle. Could I get an amen? I'm telling you, praise God. Then we have a helper. Thank God we have a helper. We have the scriptures, but we got a helper. The Bible says that when you are delivered up, Matthew, the 10th chapter, when you're delivered up, don't take thought what you're going to say because it'll not be you that speaketh, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you. Amen. Now, what does that tell you? That words are very spiritual.
spiritual and used by God. He supplies them to you, but you're going to have to build the threshold and open the door. All righty. John 14, 26 says, When the Holy Ghost comes, he will bring everything that Jesus said back to your remembrance. He is your helper. We are not alone. He is representing us with weapons, arrows, swords, so that you and I can be victorious in these confrontations, whether it's with financial need, whether it's with sickness, whether it's with a torment, disease, whatever it might be, discouragement, he will give you a weapon to win against your adversary. Hallelujah. Jesus used that weapon. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, the Bible says they brought the sick and the disease to Jesus. Because he had a reputation. That was really when the fame went out from him meant that people heard about his reputation. He was known as a good prophet. He was known as a man that healed the sick and cast out devils. And then the Bible says they brought the sick and the disease. Jesus laid hands on them. And then he cast out devils by his Word. What was it? That was confrontation. And Jesus used sword and arrow. But he said something. And if you're just going to stand there and observe what the devil is doing in your kids, you liable to end up with something you don't want. But how about saying what God said about you? I remember when uh, Nikki was pregnant with Alexis. I'm not telling you that she got healed of all her weirdness, but takes after her dad. And anyway, uh, they called, they took a test, they they were going to take fluids, they were going to take blood and everything, and they said, you see these parts right here in her uh, anatomy here? Yeah, what? They are not formed. So that tells us that she is probably going to be born as a mongoloid. Nothing wrong with mongoloid children. I think people that have to go through that have supernatural grace. And, and I, listen, I applaud you. Applaud you. I couldn't even have a puppy. About the first time he'd peed on the rug, he'd be a football. One time, Nikki and Phyllis sent me out to get this little long-haired chihuahua we had. And the neighbors are calling saying, He's out here, our dog is in heat, and he sits out here in this snow. I didn't care. Who cares? 
That's his problem. But Nikki, Phyllis, go get him, Dad. So I trod over there and get him. And about every time he'd get snuck, stuck in a snowdrift, I'd try to make a goal. And then Nikki and Phyllis saw what I was doing. Poor little dog's nose was bleeding. All. I know some of you, oh, I can't believe you don't have any heart. I was raised on the farm. That means that we are different creatures than you. We don't put needles to send dogs back to the earth. We use Remington's. Now, that, now look, don't condemn me for culture. Amen? Rick, what do you do in the hood? You, you don't shoot people with needles, do you? Rick, he's got drive-by, man. You've heard about carry-out? They bring it in, hallelujah. Now, I'm, I'm just kidding, praise God. All right, so everybody know what the word hood means? Anybody not know it? It means neighborhood, right? See, I, I know what I'm talking about. Now, <laughs> so we got to realize Jesus used the weapons that God gave him to set people free. If your children are not acting right, doing wrong things, you can yell at them, you can beat them. Look, I've been yelled at, I've been whipped. I'm talking about after I've been married. But I, I'm just telling you, you can do all that or you can be bright enough to see the enemy that you are really fighting. And then you can engage him the way that God wants you to engage him. But you know, just trying to discipline people will not make them right. Amen. All right. And then in Psalms, think of this word. It says, I will decree. I will. It is a free will choice. I will decree, say, declare, release from my mouth what the Lord hath said unto me. Thou art my son, and this day have I begotten thee. Jesus boldly declared himself the firstborn among many brethren. He made the decree because God said it. You and I need to make decrees that God said about us. Not what we think about ourselves. Amen. Amen. Amen? We need to think the way that God wants us to think. Hallelujah. Then Numbers 13.33. I want to go through these stories. I think it will save us time. But there were 12 spies that went over into the land of Canaan. And they came back. Well, you know the story that 10 of them saw the walls of Jericho as impassable. 
you could not seize these walls. They were so wide that you could have chariot races going around them. Now, I've been there where Jericho once stood, or at least they told me it was there. But the thing about, there is no evidence that it was there except down in the ground. Because the walls didn't fall down, they went straight down. And so these walls were wide. Not only were they wide, they had an outside wall and they had an inside wall. These people were paranoid. They were giants. They ruled the land. And they had these big walls. Well, ten of the spies come back and said, Whoo, man, oh man, what grapes they got. Man, you can open a grape like that, shove your head in it, and eat all you want. Well, they had figs dripping, you know, fig honey off of the trees and they had eaten that they come back they say the land is truly good but there's only one problem now God said he gave it to us but the problem is what's the problem man well the problem is that there are giants in the land you mean fat people no tall people Okay, so what do they do? They're just big people. And they are behind walled a city behind, uh, that is protected by walls. Now, there were two guys, Caleb and Joshua, and they said, no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. And I know you think that we're grasshoppers in their sight but I'm telling you as I look through what God has put in our hands I see that they are bread for us now somebody's going to have lunch we just got to determine who one's having meat the other's having bread so Joshua and Caleb had another spirit they realized that that wall and those people were not their real enemies. They realized that the true enemy that was trying to keep them out of Canaan was demonic powers. So what do they do? They don't start training people. They start decreeing their end. If the Lord be with us, we're well enabled to go up and take the city. <clears throat> they went up, took the city. They go around the city seven times. Seven times they encompass that city, and then they loose a barrage of arrows, and they praise God the Lord and those walls fall down we can have that type of victory 
but we're going to have to start decreeing what the Lord has said about us. Amen? Let's say what the Lord has said about us. You know, the other night, Phyllis and I were smelling each other's necks, and I heard this voice in these dark shadows of the bedroom. You're better looking in the dark. It kind of killed the mood. But now I know what to do. Just turn the lights out in every room in the house. And she'll think that I'm James Bond. All right. Then you look at 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. There was a man named David. He's just a little ruddy boy, maybe 15 years old, red hair, you know, gruffy looking, starting to grow a beard, and, uh, you know, you know the type, like your husband's. I tried to grow a mustache one time, Phyllis said, did you wash under your nose? And I said, I I'm growing a mustache. She said, it's not working. So I, I just had to shave it off. So anyway, David goes down there to greet his brother, take some cheese and all that kind of stuff. And uh, David said, hey, what's going on? They said, not much. We're stuck over here on this side of the valley. Well, why aren't you over there in the war? They said, because there's a big guy that comes out. He's Goliath. And he is the champion of all of the Philistines. David said, well, why doesn't somebody go over there and kill him? David understood that the promise was for every Israelite. But they, just like us, thought what? It's only for special people. And so Saul comes up and he hears David's braggadocious declarations and he says hey here take my armor and go out there at least we'll be doing something David puts on his armor and said I, I, I can't wear this man you're like five times my size and so David has to take the weapons off but David doesn't encounter Goliath with five stones now, I know he picks up five stones. I know it's faith, grace, whatever, you know, you feel like that day. He's got five smooth stones. Yes, one for Goliath and one for each of the other four brothers. And then David starts the fight. And the Philistine comes out to meet David and said, What am I? You send a little dog out here. You send a little puppy. Well, you sent a little puppy, not even weaned out here to fight me, the champion. David said, Well, I'll tell you what. You got a sword. You got a spear. I didn't come to you like that. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to decree to you just what happened to the bear and the lion. 
And before the sun comes down, you are going to be beheaded and Israel will be victorious. See, David said something. And even though Goliath was still breathing, he was being shot with arrows. He was being assaulted with a sword. And pretty soon the story ends, David cuts his head off because he's dead. Any Israelite could have been David. They just wouldn't release their weapons. Do you want to be a brother of David or would you like to be David? I want to be David. The Bible says that no weapon's going to form against us. Every tongue, every tongue, every arrow, every sword that rises up, you get a condemnment. And that is a heritage of the righteous. In other words, you can stop arrows and you can stop swords. But if you don't open your mouth and say what God said about you, your weapons will be there, but they will not be successful. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10 said this. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Ezekiel. You know, I wanted to name Nikki Ezekiel Zerubbabel Dosik. Aren't you glad you weren't Nikki? <laughs> Anyway, Ezekiel was there and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And God takes him out to this valley. He says, hey, Zeke. Yeah, God. Do you think that all these bones could live? Now, Ezekiel had been running around with God for 36 chapters. He kind of knows a setup when he hears one. So he says this. Well... I don't know. What do you think? God says, I'll tell you what I think. Say, prophesy, declare to this valley of bones the word that I put in your mouth. Now, this is impossible. These are bones. Bones, man, bones. They're not like they're fresh kill. They're bones. And Ezekiel takes what God says to him and he speaks to this totally impossible situation. And when he prophesies, decrees, says what God said, about those bones, man, here come the rumblings. The knee bone connects to the side bone. Yeah, but honey, there's bone here that 
is at the foot. So thigh bone, thigh bone connects to the hip bone. And you know the story. Do you think any of them got messed up? You don't think somebody could have had three legs? Well, you already prophesied this man not going to have any bottom ones. Do you think that every bone went to where it's supposed to go? I do too. Can God change your death valley into a valley of harvest? Yeah. Say what God said. Don't believe the reports that come from the camp of the adversary. Just because you can't see the archer, they shoot out of secret places. Don't be moved. Start decreeing what God said about your children, about your finances about your joy, about your marriage. Just start decreeing it. Loose a bombardment. Have you ever seen them uh, old, uh, oh, have you ever seen Braveheart? When they loose all these arrows and these guys got these little shields about this big. Don't you wonder the thinking of people like that? I mean, if I knew arrows were coming my way, Buddy, I'd get behind two or three guys. I'd say, here, you guys take my shield. And then after they died, I'd take their three shields and I'd, I'd make a nice one. But you see this great big black sky of arrows coming. Man, they're sticking in people, killing people. You know, they're doing all those things. That's what you want to start doing every day. You get up and you start loosening a horde of arrows. You blacken the sky with your word that God said about you. You let them hear the unsheathing of your sword and you don't allow the enemy to get one advantage over your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. You remember that story that Ashley told that said that the lady said, I haven't seen my daughter in years. She won't talk to me. And that night, the woman called her. Your valley might be filled with failures, but I'm telling you, every failure can be resurrected to victory. Say what God said. Amen? We are in spiritual warfare. Open up your eyes. You'll start seeing the shadows of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's everybody stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Jesus. you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior Jesus has brought you here for a reason maybe you shouldn't even be here maybe you thinking man a oh man I should have done something else this is just where you need to be if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior Listen, we want the very best for you. We want God's abundant life for you. God sent his son to die for you. There's nobody any more important in this service than you if you do not know Jesus. He's calling you today. He's beckoning you to come. Come to him, those of you that are heavy laden and burdened, and he will give you rest. He'll accept you. There's nothing but his blood that can wash away sin. If you're here today and if you would just give me the honor to pray with you today, say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to change. I want life in my valley. If you're here today, please step out of your seat and come down. Hallelujah. Can we sing a song, guys? Anybody? to the sound of power I want to sing this one time so please wherever you Jesus are step out the curse he never lost a battle Phyllis hey Phyllis would you come over and pray with her and her thank you so you much you should not bow Jesus defeated the darkness. He has never lost a battle. And he never will, he never will. And he never will, he never will. And he never will, he never will. to the sound of power on my lips. 
Jesus has broken the curse. He has never lost a battle. Who are you, great mountain, that you should not bow low? Jesus defeated the darkness. He has never lost a battle. lift our hands up one more time hallelujah praise God Father I lose blessing I lose blessing God into this house I lose blessing into every home God let your abundant mercy and goodness come upon them God those things that seem dead resurrect God bring life and victory out of hopeless valleys. God, let them rise up as soldiers of the cross. Let them begin to decree that which you have said about them. God, let a barrage of arrows, God, a front line of swords, God, be drawn. God, we thank you for the victory that you've given us. God, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Keep, protect, bless, strengthen, and enlarge every person that is here. I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. Now be back.